Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you again for uh, the honor of preaching here. Man, you guys are packed, 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 packed. What are we going to do? We're just going to keep growing. That's what we're going to do. Going to keep reaching people. I love, love, love a growing church. I want to jump in this weekend. Actually, I want to stretch you today uh, a little bit. I, I want you and I to sort of leave today with the belief that God has more for you. Everybody say me. God's got that wasn't everybody. Everybody say me. God's got more for you. God wants to stretch you, and, and God wants to bless you. You know, some of us were sort of raised in an environment where we didn't think God was going to bless us. God was going to bless everybody else, but not us. I know it doesn't happen here, but, but maybe you've been to another church, not this one. You've been to another church where people have looked and said, man, what, what, what happens? Why do they bless? Like, what, 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 is, what are they doing? Why, why do they have all the blessings? Why, why is their marriage prospering and mine's not? Why is their business growing and mine's not? Why, why are their kids smart and mine are dumb? <laughs> You've never said that, I know. What, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with my life? Why, why is God blessing them? Here's what I want you to know before you leave today. God's chosen you to bless. God wants to give you a bigger life. God wants to give everybody in this room a blessed life, a big life. That's what we're going to talk about for just a couple of moments, a big life. And I want you to stretch your faith today. I want you to leave today knowing God's for you and God's got something more for you. That it's God's will that you and I live an abundant life. Say amen to that. John 10 and 10 says this. Jesus is talking and he says, the thief comes only for three things. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Now, I grew up thinking that the devil could do anything. Pastor, I thought the devil did everything. Every time something didn't work in my life, it was the devil's fault. When the car didn't start, we grew up, y'all didn't grow up this way, but we grew up when the car didn't start, you laid hands on that car. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You anointed the car. I, maybe if you changed the oil, it would work better than anointing with oil. But I, it didn't even matter that we didn't put gas in it. Like, we weren't at fault. It was the devil's fault. You know what I mean? Everything was the devil's fault. Listen, the longer I serve God, the more I realize everything's not the devil's fault. The only thing he can do is steal what God has already given you, kill what God has already put inside of you, and and try to destroy the future God has for you. Here's the good news. God always comes first. All the enemy can do is try to thwart what God has already planned for your life. Say amen to that. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus is sort of juxtaposing what he does to that. He says, but I have come that they may have, everybody shout life. And then they may have abundant life or more life. And one translation says abundant life. Listen, these are two different lives. These are two different lives. They're separated by a comma there. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life. That's eternal life. The number one reason Jesus came is to save you and I from hell. Say amen to that. That's enough. That's good enough. But here, here's the truth of the matter. There are some people in the room, there's some people who serve God, who that's all that you know Jesus as, is the Savior of your soul for eternity. You don't know Him as the life giver on this earth. 
And so the, 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 the thing that runs into the sort of the, the, the problem, the crisis that you get to is it's not about hell after I die. It's how do I deal with the hell while I'm still living? And if you haven't tapped into that second life, that abundant life, it's not about what happens when I die. It's what, it's what happens when hell comes to my house today. When she walks out after 20 years of marriage. When he says, I don't love you anymore. When the kids go crazy. When you bury a loved one. When life falls apart. When the business you dump your life savings in goes under. When you foreclose on your house. Now, what do we do? It's not about hell after now. It's about hell right now. And if you and I haven't tapped into that next level of living, that abundant life, then when hell comes to your house, you and I don't have the strength to make it. Here's the truth of the matter. There will come a time in your life when eternal life will not be enough. You need abundant life. When eternal life will not answer the question of, well, what, what, what do I do now? How do I make it now? How do we go through now? And I want to stretch us into believing God for that abundant life. Now, I grew up in Sunday school. When I was going to church, when I grew up, we called it Sunday school. Now it's kids ministry. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why we called it Sunday school. I didn't like Monday school. I sure, I sure didn't want to go to school on Sunday. So I grew up in Sunday school. And in Sunday school, I don't know if this was the first song that I learned, but I think it was. We used to sing this. He's got the whole world sing in his. Come on, y'all grew up. Nobody in the back went to church. He's got whole world in Pastor Brandon. No, you the, the motions. Yeah, it helps us remember the song. I grew up thinking. By the way, you bowed up on that pulpit, bub, like it was just a toothpick. You could have put that on your shoulders, like Paul Bunyan. Man, I saw you walking up. I grew up singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. And you know what? I didn't even know God, but I believe that the God they were telling me about had the whole world in his hands. Here's the problem. Listen close. Here's the problem with life. The longer you live, the smaller God gets. The longer it is you live life, you start thinking, well, I don't know. Listen, I used to believe he has the whole world in his hands, but I don't even know if he's got my marriage in his hands now. I used to believe that the whole world was held together by this great God, but I don't even know if he can save my kids, or I don't even know if he can heal my body. And, and the longer that we live, it, the smaller that God gets in our life. The, 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 the more crisis that comes into our life, the more trials that you and I go through, it seems as though God keeps getting smaller and we think, man, I don't know if this is possible. I don't know if God can do this. But listen, let me get right to the point. Let me tell you what I believe. I still believe God's got the whole world in His hands. I still believe that God can do anything for anybody at any time. I still believe there's nothing too hard for our God. Shout amen for that. He's got the whole world in his hands. Let, let, let me talk about that world. Hebrews 11 says, By faith we know that the whole universe was formed at God's command. The whole universe was formed at his command. The earth, the, the, the surface of the earth is about 196 million square miles. About 70% of that is water. Uh, 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 not just that earth, but our closest star to, uh, the, to our planet is the sun, and it's 93 million miles away. If you could cut the sun open and lay it in half, you could, you could fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun. And it's just an average star in our solar system. 
Not, not only is our planet and, the, and then the sun close to us, but our galaxy, the Milky Way, there are about 400 billion stars that we know of just in our galaxy. And there are about 200 billion other galaxies that have a few hundred billion stars inside those galaxies. If you counted every star that you could see on a clear night with your naked eye, just the stars you could see, if you counted one every second, it would take you 1,500 years to count just the stars you could see with your naked eye. And it's in this backdrop that God would talk to a man in the Old Testament named Abraham. One day God calls Abraham out of where he's living and so Abraham sort of follows God into the desert not really knowing where he's going. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever just heard God call you and you didn't know to where? Come on, raise your hand. I'm looking for you. It's the hill country. It's the hill country. That's it's the hill country. <laughs> That's the word for you today. You ever followed God and said, I know God said, but I just didn't know where He said? I know God promised He would. He just didn't tell me when He would. I know God said He could help us. I just don't know where. And Abraham was sort of in that, in that living. He, he, just, he left where he was, but he didn't know where he was going. And one night, God calls Abraham out in the middle of the night. And, and he says, Abraham, I want you to do something. I want you to look outside your tent. I want you to hold your head up high, and I want you to look at the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, God, this is crazy. I know you called me out, but you're just playing with me now. Y'all have never told God that. You're just toying with me. You're not really, I don't know what we're doing, God. I'm tired. I don't know what we're doing looking at the sky. And God said, Abraham, you just look up at the stars in the sky. And then Genesis says, Abraham, here's the promise I want to make you. Listen close. Genesis 22 and 17, God says to Abraham, I will bless you. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that sentence. If you don't, if you're taking notes, I want you to write those four words down. The, 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 I, I, I want to bless you, Abraham. I know this is hard for you to grasp. I know you think it's for everybody else. I know you think God's promised something for everybody else. But Abraham, I want you to know it's for you. I want to bless you. I will bless you. And then Abraham, look at the stars. He said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Here's the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. I want you to think big about God's plan for us. I want you to think big about God's plan for us. One of the greatest examples in scriptures of that is God talking to Abraham. Oh, the next couple of scriptures you see that God telling Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you and, and, and your name's going to be great. You're going to be the father of many nations and your house and your influence in your house will fill the whole earth. Abraham and Sarah, you're, you're going to be a blessing to the world. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Would you just, would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and sort of tilt your head back and just look? Uh, I want you to imagine how many stars he saw on a clear night. God said, Abraham, that's how many kids. That's how many descendants. That's how big I want to bless you. Now open your eyes. Here's the problem. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids. Abraham and Sarah hadn't had a kid and they're in their old age. Brandy and I have been married 16 years and for the first 11 years of our marriage, we couldn't have babies. We prayed. We grew up in a church that believed just like this one that God could do anything. And we would come to the front and they would lay hands on us. and We would go home and we couldn't have a baby. We believed God for a miracle. We'd pray for a miracle. I know what it's like to just ask God for one. And there are people in this room who know what it's like to just say, God, that sounds great. I just want one. God, all the stars in the sky sounds good, but I just want one baby. I know what it's like to pray. And then we got pregnant, and then we had a miscarriage. And I didn't know how bad it would hurt until it hurts. 
And then we'd pray and we'd ask God. And then we had a miscarriage. And I didn't know how bad it would hurt until it hurt. And for 11 years, we'd ride this cycle of going, God, you don't have to give us five or six kids. We just want one baby. We just want one healthy baby. And listen, I, I got to tell you, we didn't do anything. We, I, I, honest before God, our, our 30th birthday, we sort of decided this is it. God's, you know, this is the, what we chose. We're, we're going to go through adoption. I promise you before God, we called the adoption agency that day. Brandy said, I think I'm pregnant. We didn't know what to do. We'd, we'd, we'd gone through this before. All I can tell you is five years ago we had a beautiful baby girl and two years ago we had a beautiful baby boy. And That's all I know. That God works miracles. Now I'm scared of her. <laughs> we'd have had our little boy first. We'd have just had one. Come on. But I know what it's like to just pray for one. Listen, there are people in the room who are just praying survival prayers. God, you don't have to give me a great marriage. I just want a good marriage. God, you don't have to give me everything. I just, I just don't want him to hit me anymore. God, you don't have to give me missionary kids. I just want my kids to come to church with me on Sunday. God, you don't have to, you, God, you don't have to completely heal me of this. I just don't want to be in pain anymore. I know what it's like to just pray for one. And Abraham and Sarah said, God, that sounds great, but I, we, just, we don't even have one baby. God says, listen, Abraham, look at me. When I decide to bless you, it's going to be bigger than what you think it is. My, look, I, I, I want to tell somebody in the room that are just praying get by prayers and just one prayer that God's telling you today I want you to think bigger of what, what I want to do for you I want to expand your thinking I want you to look up into the stars in the sky and I want you to say God if you can do this God, anything's possible God I'll settle for one but if you promise to bless me I want what you've got for me say amen to that I want to stretch you into believing God's got more for you. And so Abraham and Sarah get together and they do what we do. They laughed at God's promise. Let me just give you a piece of advice. I don't know that I would do that. Abraham and Sarah get together. And I don't know how it goes, but here's how I think it went, Pastor Brandon. I imagine what happened because I know men. Abraham probably looked at God and he said, God, listen, that sounds wonderful. I think I can do that. But mama's getting old. <laughs> God, I still got it, but I don't know about mama. My mama's old, and I don't know if mama can, I don't, I, I appreciate the blessings. I just don't know if that, I still got it, God. That's the way men talk. I can, I'm still good. I'm, I'm good. I get better with age, but mama's old, and she's tired, and I don't know if she can handle it. And they laughed at God. You're laughing because you've said some of the same things to God. <laughs> God, I'm tired. I don't know if we can build another business. God, I, I don't know. We tried 25 years to make our marriage work. I don't know if it'll work. And they laughed at God. God answers back. And I love how God answers this. Genesis 18, he says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let me give you a piece of advice. When the answer asks you a question, he's not looking for your response. When the answer asks you a question, it's rhetorical. And the answer goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's kind of like, if I was God, I would, I would look at Abraham and I'd say, look at me in the eyes, buddy. Because when you talk down to somebody, you call him buddy. You know what I mean? Say, hey, buddy, look at me. I made you. And I made that little woman you're married to. And if I say I'm going to bless you, I want you to get ready for descendants. I want you to look up into the stars. I, I want you to know that I'm thinking bigger for you. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What, what are you limiting God to? 
What are you laughing at that God's promised you? What are you saying, God, this is too big. This is too hard. God, I, I don't know if this will happen. I, I'm just going to build a lot. God, I, I don't know if you could really make this work out. or not. What is it that, 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 that you're putting limits on God? What are you putting God in a box about? The Bible says nothing is too hard for the Lord. Jesus would echo what his father said. He said, what's impossible with men? Is possible with God. What's impossible with men, God can do anything. Shout amen to that. I don't know what you came to church today thinking God couldn't do, but I want you to know God's thinking bigger than what you're thinking. I want you to know God is thinking bigger than where you are. God's thinking big for His church. God's thinking big for our church. Say amen to that. It's God's will that we grow. Come on, Habakkuk said the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Not just East Texas, not just Lumberton and Beaumont and Silsby. Where else y'all from? Wherever little old something you from, wherever, not just the hill country, not just San Antonio. He said, it's, the, it's God's will the whole earth be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. He said in John 3, 16, God so loved everybody, shout the world. Second Peter said, he's not willing that any should perish. So does that mean you want brown people gone? Yeah. Does that mean black people? Yeah. Does that mean white people? Yes. Does that mean rich people and poor people and tall people and even short people? Does that mean God wants anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, God's thinking bigger about his church than you and I are. God's thinking the whole world. We're just thinking my church. No, no, no. That's why I love Parkway Life. That's why I love your pastor to stand up and say, hey, look, we're going to plant churches all over the country. Why? Because God's thinking bigger than us. Come on, shout amen to that. Not only does God think big, but God's given us a mandate to think bigger for our lives. Would you write that down? God's given us a mandate. He's given us a mandate to think big. God said, if I'm going to think big, I want you to think big. Genesis 1.28, God steps into creation and Adam and Eve are there and God says to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth, underline that sentence, and subdue it and rule over it and take dominion. Now listen close. I don't want to be crude, but look at me in my eyes. God says to two people to fill the whole earth. Look at me. Adam and Eve, y'all got to get busy. Two people fill the whole earth. You with me? Two people fill the whole earth. Why would God say to two people fill the whole earth? I'll tell you why. Because whatever you're thinking, God's thinking bigger. He said, I know what, I know what you're capable of. I, I know what I've promised you. I know what I want to do through you. I, I, I know how much I, I want to bless you. I know how big of a life I want to give you. And you're settling for little. And God says, I want you to learn how to think for more. I want you to learn how to believe for more. I want you to tap into that next level. I want you to read. I want you to grow more. I want you to learn. I want you to expand where you are. Adam and Eve, I want you guys to fill the whole earth. I want you to do more than you thought you could. I'm thinking bigger than you're thinking. Here's sort of where that all started for me. I was reading in my daily time in God's Word, and I usually read out of the message paraphrase. If you're new to the Bible and you've never read the message, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a little translation, but I love to read it just as I'm reading God's Word. And here's what it said in 2 Corinthians. He said this, Dear Corinthians, Paul's writing a letter. And he said, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter, listen, this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. I love that sentence Paul says to the Corinthians. He said, we didn't fence you in. He said, that smallness that you feel in your life, it comes from within inside of you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And then, and then I love this. He said, I'm speaking as plainly 
as I can and with great affection. If Paul was alive today, he would say, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> he said, I, I just want you to know I'm thinking bigger for you. And then this is the last line. This is the invitation. He says, open up your lives and live openly and expansively. That's what I want to encourage you and I to do today. I want you to open up your life. Some of us have been boxing in our lives. And Paul said, hey, we didn't fence you in. I mean, maybe you grew up thinking, well, it's the church's fault. You know, they put these limits on me. Or it's Christianity's fault. It's faith. It's my family. It's, you know, I was raised this way. We've always been in poverty. We've always had temper problems. We've always have been alcoholics. We've always, but none of us have ever gone to college. It's always just, Paul said, listen, nobody fenced you in. There's a smallness that's inside of you and you're living your lives in that small way. Paul said, I want you to expand your life. I want you to start living open in your life. I want you to say, God, I want you to expand what I'm thinking. God, I'm thinking just survival and I want you to think big. I, I want you to think more than where you're at. Paul said, I want you to abandon the smallness of your life. I want you to abandon small thinking and petty thinking. I want you to abandon stingy giving. I want you to be generous. Matter of fact, Proverbs 11.24 says, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You ever known any stingy people? D don't point at nobody that you know here. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But the more you give, the more generous you are, it gets larger and larger. Because when you expand your mind, when you, when you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere I've never gone. I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to believe God for more. This is the last thing I want to tell you. Because when you and I, when men and women stretch themselves into a different level, when they start believing God for more, when they stretch our thoughts beyond where we are, you tap into something bigger. When you stretch your thoughts from where you are, you tap into something bigger. God's got bigger plans. God's got more for you. I want you to go big and think big. I want you to give your attention to the big picture. I want you to think increase and embrace vision and think progress and think generosity. I, I want you to think, how do I do? What is it in life that God would bless some folks? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's when people stretch themselves to believe God for more. Now listen close. This is the reason why. This is why I want you to believe God for more. Because there will come a time in your life when you need that next level of living. There will come a time in your life when hell comes to your house. And you're going to have to know, how do I believe God for this? And there are people in the room today that you're facing the hardest time you've ever faced in your life. You're praying survival prayers. You know, there are people that are, that are praying that now, God, well, we don't have to have a new house. We just want to keep the lights on. God, I, I, we don't, I don't have to have a new marriage. I just, I just want this one. I just want the yelling and the hitting. And the, I just. Some of us are living in the, the trial of our life. And, and, and if, if the only way that you know Jesus is that first, that eternal life. Sometimes that's not enough to get you through. You need that abundant life that Jesus came to give. And when you stretch yourself to believe God for more, listen. Then when you finally get to that next level then you'll have the faith to trust God for what it is you're facing. When, when, when you stretch yourself and you go beyond where you are, then when you get to the level where you need that faith, you'll know how to act. You'll know how to believe God. You'll know how to pray. You'll know how to worship. You'll know how to give God your best. About two months ago, I was in Fort Worth, Texas. and For years, Pastor Nate, you know... Uh, Bishop Lyles and Miss Sherry in Fort Worth. And Bishop Lyles had 
pastored the same church for 45 years, same, same congregation, Calvary Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Amazing church, a missions-minded church. Bishop Lyles is just a hero to me. I, I've, I've looked to him. He's a little older than pastor, so a, a little longer than you. And I've watched his ministry, and he's just incredible. A, a lot of my peers, a lot of friends sort of in my age, you know, we look to Bishop Lyles. And about two months ago, on a, on a Tuesday night, I'll never forget, I got a simple text message. Bishop Lyles and Miss Sherry had two grown children, a son in his 30s and a girl who had just turned 40 years old. And, and, and the daughter who turned 40 years old had two teenage children. And on Tuesday night, about 5 o'clock, I got a text message that his only daughter had taken her life. Raised in church, served God faithfully, ma- married in that church, raised her kids there and it was over and that that whole week it was so strange what do you do when you're faced with something like that how do you you have answers for that some of of you in the room may know what it's like to deal with that particular subject Let, let me just let me let me take a small detour and tell you by the way whatever you think God's bigger than what you're thinking Whatever you think about suicide, trust me in this, God's more gracious and merciful than you could ever imagine. And so, I, Wednesday and Thursday, we sort of just, I'm just walking through a daze. And Friday, a few friends and I, we drove to Fort Worth, Texas, Greg. We sat in a church, I don't know, Calvary's probably the same size as this. And it was jam there were chairs everywhere. They opened the lobby. They had people sitting all in the lobby. There were people standing in the hallways. There were people outside who never got to come into the service. Thousands of people. I, I think they said 1,500, 1,800 people just in the service, not, not just the people that walked through. Just unbelievable. And, and I had some friends that came early, and so I sat. That They had saved a seat for us, and I sat with a couple of pastor friends and I on the second row right there. Now, the second row right there, this is exactly the way the church was set up. And, and, and the casket was right here. There was no center aisle. And right in the dead center of the room was Bishop and Mrs. Lyles. And I don't know what to tell you, Pastor Brandon, but I could not quit looking at them. For an hour and a half, it was a beautiful service. The singing was amazing. The communicators were great. I just sat there. I couldn't look anywhere else. I just looked at them. You know why? Because I don't know what I'd do. What do you do when you're five feet away from the casket of your baby? What do you how, how do you make that when you give your life to ministry and missions and Thousands of people are saved because of your ministry. There you sit on the hardest day of your life. And I just watched him. I promised before God. I never quit. I just watched him. I know it was rude. I know folks were there. I just, I had to learn. I had to learn. How, how do, well, what do you do? How, well, how do you act, Bishop, when, when, when all hell has broken loose in your life? What do you do on the worst possible day of your life when hell comes to your house how do you live and we set the whole service and they would cry and Bishop would cry and Miss Lyles would cry then we get to the end of the service the band comes back up 
And I promised before God, I was, I was staring, I was fixed on them. I watched the whole thing transpire. This is so, help me, this is exactly what happened. They began to sing, It Is Well With My Soul. You know that song? You know it, it, is, it is well. It is, you know what I'm saying? And, and everybody was singing. Everybody was crying. And, and I watched Bishop Lyles take his wife's hand. Nobody in the building was standing. And he stood her up. And so helped me God. I watched them put both of their hands as high as they could in the air. I watched him sing the entire song tears falling out of his eyes he's the only people in the room standing and their hands raised to heaven and I thought to myself how do you praise God five feet from the casket of your baby I'll tell you how because at some point in his life he had, ta- he had stretched himself so that when the hardest day of his life came he had something to believe God for he could stand and raise his hands and say I don't understand I don't understand. But, but the Lord gives and He takes away. And, and I, I'm telling you the whole song, His hands stayed high in the air. How do you do that? How do you live the hardest day of your life? It's by believing God for more. It's by stretching your faith so that one day when you face, God forbid, the hardest day of your life, you'll have the strength to believe God can do more than you could ever possibly imagine. Would you stand all over the house?